2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day, Elijah went to Shunem. A prominent woman who lived there persuaded him to eat some food. So whenever he passed by, he stopped there to eat. Then she said to her husband, I know that the one who often passes by here is a holy man of God. So let's make a small walled-in upper room and put a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp there for him. Whenever he comes, he can stay there. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that as we get into this, you would speak and encourage your people and that you would remove my flesh and that it would be only your words that are being spoke this morning, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, Elijah and Elisha are my two favorite prophets in all of the Old Testament. Maybe because they were wild and they were a little rebellious. Elijah, Elijah stood on Mount Caramel, or Carmel, Mount Caramel. Wow, I think I got, I got Christmas on the brain already. Mount Caramel. Anyway. All right, there's a rabbit trail I do not need to go down this morning. Amen. Right off, right off the bat, I'm doing great. But as he stood on Mount Carmel and he called fire down from heaven and slew the and he slew the four hundred prophets of Baal and then the Jeze, then Jezebel looked at him and said, "I'm going to kill you." And he runs and hides. I don't know about you. I've had a lot of seasons in my life where I felt like Elisha and I wanted to run and hide. You know, done a lot of had had a great success and then all of a sudden I want to run and hide. I don't know about you, but maybe that's just me. But, you know, and, and then out of that experience, God shows him that, you know, yes, I can move in the fire, and yes, I can move in the wind, and yes, I can move in all the great things, but really here I am in the still small voice, and the quiet waiting resting upon me. And it's in that moment where Elisha, Elijah receives a new facet of who God is, that he gets his next marching orders, and God tells him, to go anoint Jehu and to go anoint Elisha and to go anoint another person that I don't remember. And, and, and in, the, in, in the process of doing this, he is anointing the next level of leadership to carry on what he has already started in Israel. Now, Elisha is, is the same, is the one who he came and he anointed him and he threw his mantle on him and said, if you will follow me, if you will submit to me, you will do greater things than I've ever done. Now, he didn't actually tell him that, but that's what he was saying. That's what God was going to use him for, was to do greater and mightier things. And we know that Elisha was a wealthy man because he had 12 team of oxen. And then what didn't say it was his father's oxen. He had 12 team of oxen that he killed and he sacrificed and he made food so that he could not turn back to his old ways. And then uh, Elisha moved on. And the only thing that Elisha was known for throughout his whole ministry while Elijah was on the earth was he was the man that pulled water, that poured water on Elijah. He was the man that served Elijah. That's the only thing he was known for. He didn't have his own ministry. He didn't have any. The only thing he was known for was serving the man of God. Oh, that God would raise up some Elishas in this day and time that only have one desire to serve and do what God has called them to do. Oh, that God would raise up some Elishas. And now as, as Elijah rides the fiery chariots of heaven up into heaven and Elisha catches the mantle, 
And he strikes the water across the Jordan River. And he says this. He says, but the God of Elijah, do as he did for me, as he did for Elijah. Do for me as he did for him. And he smote the water and the waters parted and he walked across. And this thus began the ministry of Elisha. A man who received a double portion. A man who was able to carry on and be the legacy for one of the, what I believe, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. One of the wild ones, the ones who would live in the wilderness. And, he, and, and, and the Bible records that Elijah did eight recorded miracles and Elisha did 16 recorded miracles throughout his lifetime. And one of these miracles is what we're going to talk about this morning. Talking about the woman from Shunem. Now, the first thing the Bible says about her is that she is a prominent woman. Meaning that she was a woman of wealth. She was a woman of means. She didn't have a whole lot of needs in her life. She was well off. And she saw the man of God and she said, Prophet, I want you to come and I want you to share a meal with me because I want to get to know you better. I, I want I want to bless you. Maybe, and, and the Bible is not clear, so we can make, I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions this morning, and if you don't agree with me, that's okay. But I, I think maybe this woman saw something in Elisha that she wanted to have, that she wanted to be a part of. She saw a ministry that she wanted to bless, that she wanted to be a part of. So what did she do? She did the only thing she knew how to do. She invited him into her house, and she prepared a meal for him. And she made him feel welcome. She made Now, what we have to understand is that in this story, Elisha represents the presence and the power of God. Because God spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the judges at this time. There was the king, but there was also the prophet that would speak the true word of God. And so Elisha himself represents the presence of God. So what this woman is doing is she is recognizing there's something on Elisha's life that I want to have present in my home. So I am going to make space for it. I am going to make room for it. I am going to value the presence of God to such a degree that I am going to invite it into my home and I am going to serve the presence of God. I am going to serve the man of God. I am going to make him feel welcome in my home. And so she so got, and so, and the Bible is not clear about the timeline here, but I would, I would recommend, I would say that she made him feel so welcome and she would keep inviting him back. Listen, every time you're in the area, Elisha, I want you to come sit at my house. I want to invite you in. I'm going to inconvenience myself to make the presence of God welcome. I am going to inconvenience my life to make sure that God is welcome in my home. And how about you? How about me? Do we inconvenience ourselves to make sure that God is welcome in our home? What we watch on TV with the Holy Spirit, if Jesus were sitting there right there, would you watch it? If you invited the pastor over, would you watch it? But you see, this lady so valued the presence of God that not only did she say, I want to invite you in. I want to have you here. I, 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 want, I want you here for a limited time. She went to her husband 
And the Bible records that she said, listen, he comes here often. We enjoy having him. Let's create a room for him. Let's create an upper room in our house. Let's build an addition on to our house and let's put a bed and a lampstand. She put simple furnishings in there. It wasn't great. It wasn't elaborate. Oh, she put simple furnishings in there, enough for him. And she made a room attached to her house that was special for the man of God. And she didn't let anybody else stay in that room. That wasn't a room for just random people. No, that was a room specifically designed for the man of God, for the prophet of God, for the presence of God. She came in and she made such the decree. She put such the specialness on him that she wanted the presence of God in her house. And it did not matter what or how much it inconvenienced her. She was going to have God at whatever cost it took. Now, what we have to look at, the next part of the story is really great because what Elisha does is he looks at his sidekick, little Gehazi or Gehazi eye, and he says, this woman has done so much for me. This woman has gone above and beyond when anybody has ever was required to do. Oh, that we would understand that in our day and age, going above and beyond what was required. But we say, so, so Elisha says, I'm going to go above and beyond. She went above and beyond what was required for me. So now I am going to go above and beyond what, I'm, what, what I want to do for her. What does she need? Does she need favor with the king? What, and, and, and so he goes and he asks and he says, do you need favor with the king? And she says, no, 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 no. I don't need that. I am well off. I have everything that I need. I live among my own people. I, I have everything that I need. I don't need anything else. I'm good. Can anybody, anybody agree, understand where she's coming from? I'm good. I've got my husband. We're here. We're well off. We've got enough money to pay our bills. We've got enough money to take a vacation. Once a year, we're good. We've got, we've got a nice camel. We've got a good donkey. And we've got a couple oxen that plows our fields. We're good. We don't need anything else. I'm not looking for a camel named Bentley. And I'm not looking for, but I'm not looking for, for an ox named John Deere. We're good. I've got everything that we need. Anybody else but, can understand a place where I'm good. I've been there. I'm good. But you see on the inside of her, there was something that was, that was missing. And in this day and age, we've got to understand that a child, a legacy, somebody to leave your inheritance to was so valuable at this time. And so the servant Gehazi, he says, Look, I know what she needs. She doesn't have a child. She doesn't have an heir. And Elisha said, that's perfect. That's great. And he says, bring her here. And he says, listen, at this time next year, you will hold a baby in your arms. 
And her response says a lot. Have you ever heard somebody say a lot with a few words? She says, do not lie to me. Don't you dare lie to me. And in those words, I hear a mother who's cried out to God multiple times. I've heard somebody laying awake at night crying, God, give me a child. I just need a child. I just want a child. I just want somebody to hold me. I just want somebody to hold on to. I just want somebody to show love to. I just, and you can hear the heart, the cry, the gut-wrenching cry in the middle of the night that says, God, I just want this is my dream but then through the course of time we come to the place where we say the person will come to the place where they say it's not my dream anymore I I don't I can't deal with that I'm good we put it away we bury it down we bury that dream away even though we say I don't need it I'm good I'm good where I'm at I don't, I don't need you know, this thing that I've cried for. It's, it's okay. It's okay. God doesn't want me to have it. It's fine. It's fine. And we come to a place where we learn to accept things in our lives. Where we, we thought maybe God had promised us something in, in a past season, but, but it's okay. You know, maybe, maybe this woman was coming to the end of her childbearing years. And maybe she's been, maybe, and maybe. And then the thought of her being another Sarah, well, I'm not that special. God doesn't love me that much. I'm, I'm not another Sarah. Because Abraham, it was the promise to Abraham, not to Sarah. It, and maybe, maybe, but, I, but I'm not another Hannah who, would, who cried out to God, God, give me a child, give me a child, God. And, and, and he blessed her, but, but I'm not her. I'm not that special. God loved them, but, but, but you don't know the things I've been through. You don't, God, God knows everything that I've been through, but you don't understand. So God can't love me because of this, these things that I've been through. God's not going to bless me because of these things that I've been through. And on the inside of these few little words, don't lie to me, prophet, is all this pain and all this hurt on the inside. She goes, maybe I will dare to hope again. I don't want to dare hope again because if I hope then that thing on the inside of me is going to die. God, I can't. It's going to crush me if I begin to hope. If I begin to hope again, it is going to rip everything apart on the inside of me if it doesn't happen. And Elisha looks at her and she, he says, Thus saith the Lord, you will have a child this time next year. And what happens? At the same time that he said the word, she gave birth the following year. And can you imagine the joy on the inside of her? God has given me something that I never thought was possible. All all because I made space for you. All because I made space 
for the man of God. All because I honored the presence of God to such a degree that I invited him in and he radically changed my inside world. He radically changed everything on the inside of me. The Bible does not record that Elisha did anything else for anybody in the town of Shunem. But that lady who made a room, who made a space, he made room for. He blessed her. He challenged her. And he encouraged her. And then through the course of time, can you imagine this? Can you imagine the excitement of the father? I, I, many, any, any father in here can, can tell you that the excitement of being able to bring your child along with you into a, a professional field. Say, listen, I'm going to, and to something you enjoy, taking your son with you. Say, listen, I'm going to take my son hunting for the first time, or I'm going to take him out and I'm going to show him how to ride a bike, or I'm going to take him out and I'm going to show him what daddy does for a living. And I'm going to show him everything that God is getting, that God is going to give him, everything that God is going to bless him with. I'm going to take him out and I'm going to show him. And you know, I, the picture I get in my mind of this is, anybody remember the movie The Lion King? And the, the, the elder lion Mufasa brings his son Simba out and he says, look, everything that the light will one day be yours. And so this is what this, the father of this son did. He took his son out to the field with him and said, listen, I'm getting ready to show you some crazy things. I'm getting ready to show you what is soon to be yours. And suddenly the son gets, it says it has, the Bible says that he had pains in his head and his father sent him to sit on his mother's lap. Said, listen, okay, it's fine. Your child, go go rest with your mother. And the Bible says that the mother rested this child on her lap until he died. Now, I can't imagine the pain of losing a child. But what this lady did was incredible. In verse 18, sorry, verse 21, it says this. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut him in, and left. She summoned her husband and said, please send me out. Please send me one of the servants of the donkey so I can hurry to the man of God and come back again. But he said, but, but the husband not knowing what's going on. You see, that child died. And she kept her mouth shut. She said, no. No. No, this is not going to happen. No. And she kept her mouth shut and she went to her husband and said, listen, I'm going to the man of God. Send me a servant and give me a donkey. I'm going. And he said, well, and his response is this. Well, why are you going to go? It's, it's not a special holiday. Like, why, are you, why do you want to go see the man of God? And her response, I love her response in this verse. And she says, everything is okay, but I'm going. How many of us when 
circumstances don't go quite the way we think they should. We say everything is okay. Everything, she said, everything is okay. Everything's not okay, lady. Your son is laying upstairs in bed dead. It's, everything's not okay. You should be grieving. That's what the world would tell them. You should be grieving. You shouldn't be letting, letting all this happen. You should be grieving. You should be weeping. You should be hurt. You should be offended at God. Why would he allow something to happen like this? But what she did is she said, no, I'm not even going to tell anybody because I'm going to go get that man of God. That same one that gave me the word that said you will have a child when I never thought it was possible is the same one that can do something about this situation. That same presence of God that got me into this is going to be the presence of God that is going to get me out of it. And so she goes and she tells, I love this, she tells the servant, go as hard and as fast as you can and don't slow down until I tell you, unless I say, hold on, I got to take a break. She said, no, you go and you ride as hard and as fast as you can and you do not stop. Don't take my personal feelings into consideration. I want you to go just as fast as you can and as hard as you can. Now, I thought maybe this journey would be a couple day journey, but I so so. I, God bless Google Maps. So Shunem is still a city in Israel, and Mount Carmel is still there. And if you take a bicycle, it will take you two and a half hours to get there. Two hours and 37 minutes. So I figure that you can probably ride a donkey as fast as a donkey will go, about the same way as you can ride a bicycle as fast as it would go. Anybody, give or take. Give or take. So in two and a half hours, this lady is riding as hard as she can for two and a half hours. And she gets there, and, and, you, and has anybody have ever, in, in, a, in a desert environment, if you've seen a dry, dusty area, and you've seen horses, you can see a trail of dust for miles. You can see them coming. And all of a sudden, this old prophet looks up and she says, I think that's, there's somebody coming. And the, and the servant looks to him and says, that's the Shumanite woman coming. That's that woman from Shunem. And he said, and Elijah says, well, go see what she wants. And the, and the prophet, the, the, the servant. Now, now in this, in this scenario, in my mind, I like to, I like to fasten this servant as to a pastor. That's just, in my mind, that's the way I look at it. So, so the, the God, Elijah, the man of God, the God says, send that, go pastor, go out there and see what that woman wants. And she looked at him. And he said, what's wrong? What can we do? What's going on? She says, and she looks at the servant and she says, everything's okay. Where's the man of God? Where's that guy? Where's that guy that got me into this? Where's him? I need to see him. And he said, she's right up there. He's right up there. Let's go. Takes him right there. And her response, I love him. I love this. And I love this whole story. So that's why I keep saying I love this. He she looks at the man of God. She looks at Elisha, that prophet, and she says, 
didn't I tell you not to lie to me? Didn't I tell you, don't give me false hope? Didn't I tell you to not get me into this? And you did it anyways. Why would you give me a son to rip him away from me? Why would you give me a dream, God, only to take it away from me while it's still in its infancy? Why would you give me a church home, God, to watch the number steadily decline? Why would you give me a place, God, that you promised me only to take it away? Can anybody relate to this woman? Can anybody relate to saying, I had a dream, I had a hope, and I never thought, and, and, and I, I was good. I was good if you would have just left me alone. I was good where I was at. I was happy. I was moving forward. And I could have forgotten all about this. I was good. Anybody ever been there? And now, all of a sudden, that dream has seemed to die. The moment that you were able to hope for and now I'm getting seeing the fulfillment of it come to pass. Now all of a sudden, it's beginning to grow and it's beginning to flourish. And now it's gone. And Elisha says, Elisha goes and he sends his servant and she says, you can send all you want, but I am not leaving here until you come with me. I am not leaving you, man of God, until you come with me. You got me into this. Now you're going to get me out of it. Anybody ever been there where you've got to say, listen, there's nothing the pastor can do. There's nothing that the board of elders can do. There's nothing that anybody else can do for me. And I'm going to have to have Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to have the presence of God come into my situation and move. Because if nothing short of this is what's going to fix my situation. He's dead. It's over and nothing else is going to fix it. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? Anybody ever been in a situation or heard of somebody in a situation? And all you know is you've got to get to the presence of God. You've got to get into his presence because he's the only one that can bring it back to life. He's the only one. And so she gets him and he sends his servant, does what the servant does, what he is told to do. And nothing happens. He comes back and he reports, nothing happened. So he goes in. Elisha finally gets there. And he goes into the upper room that she prepared for him. And he looks at that dead thing. And he lays down on it. On that child. Face to face. Three times. He lays down. Because there's some problems in your life that only the wind of God is going to fix. The very breath of God. Because you see, when God made man, 
in the garden before sin and greed. That spirit, that life came on the inside. And it was only, she had to know that it was only the breath of God, the breath of that man, the breath of the spirit, the man on fire that was going to cause that dead thing to come back to life. But the only reason that she got it was because she made a place for him to begin with. As we are in this 90 days of coming back to first love, I'm reminded there are things on the inside of us that we've hoped for, that we've dreamed for. The only way, and God has promised, the same way that God promised this lady, her son, God has promised many in here that this church would be a lighthouse for the lost, that we would see many people become, that people would become saved, that people would be drawn. God has, and it's always been the vision that there would be a larger sanctuary built out back and that, that, that we would be able to serve the community of Governor. But, but it seems that maybe that's not, maybe we didn't hear from God. It seems that way. On a Sunday morning, but who with me would dare to believe that because we are making a place for the presence of God to dwell, that the presence of God is going to come in and begin to blow new life into those things that we thought were dead and gone. Can anybody have faith to believe that with me this morning? That God is getting ready to blow into the things that we thought were dead and gone. Can anybody believe with me that those relationships that we thought were dead and gone, that God is getting ready to blow into? Can anybody believe with me? God is doing a new, powerful thing. So this morning, I would ask you, what dreams did you give up on in your life? What things have you relegated to the trash heap when God promised victory? What things have we given up on? What things have we become too hurt to even hope for anymore? And we give them to God. And we say, God, if it's your will, breathe new life into it. Father, I thank you for your word this morning.
I pray, Father, for the people that will hear this, not just today, but in the future in Governor and around the world. And I pray right now, God, that you would blow a fresh wind of life into their lives, God. I pray that you would let them know they are not too far gone. They are just loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Anybody would like prayer before we go open the altar at this time?